Explore New Jersey in every season. From 130 miles of sunny shorelines to waterfalls, rivers, and majestic mountainsides, visit the East Coast's most scenic parks, iconic venues, and historic landmarks. Discover artistic places and inspiring spaces, gaming, nightlife, views of center stage, and true New Jersey adventures that go on for days. Plan your itinerary today at visitnj.org. Dale un toque de otoño a tu closet con JCPenney. Con hasta 40% de descuento en suéteres, jeans y accesorios para él y ella. Y espera, porque tenemos más estilos y opciones para ti. Encuentra jeans acampanados, el clásico pantalón negro, abrigos y blazers. Mezcla y combina nuestras versátiles marcas como St. John's Bay, Mutual Weave, A&A y más. Compra con estilo JCPenney. Oferta válida hasta el 25 de octubre en selección de estilos. Aplican exclusiones. Detalles en la tienda jcp.com. This is Karen with NewClevelandRadio.net, and it is time for Avoid the Maze. Avoid the Maze today is being brought to you by UPS and USPS. Since 1998, Stamps.com has been an indispensable tool for nearly 1 million businesses, just like mine. Stamps.com brings the services of the U.S. Postal Service and UPS shipping right to your computer. Whether you're an office sending out invoices, a side hustle Etsy shop, or a full-blown warehouse shipping orders, Stamps.com will make your life easier. All you need is a computer and a standard printer. No special supplies or equipment. Within minutes, you're up and running, printing official postage for any letter, any package, anywhere you want to send it. You'll get exclusive discounts on postage and shipping from USPS and UPS. Once your mail is ready, just schedule a pickup or go drop it off. No traffic, no lines. Cut the confusion out of shipping with stamps.com, new rate advisor tool. You can compare shipping notes, rates, timelines to easily find the best option. Save time and money with stamps.com. There's no risk. And with my promo code, P-O-D, spells POD, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in P-O-D. That's stamps.com. Promo code P-O-D, POD. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Wow. Hey, Preston, I don't know what that means to <laughs> you, but um, that's one less stop I have to make every day. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's one of those things. Our post office is not convenient. <clears throat> Absolutely. But Zoom is convenient, and so our podcasts. And to our listeners today, um, again, through podmatch.com. I met Preston and I almost didn't have him on this morning because I had his information on the wrong calendar. And luckily he called me yesterday and he said, so are we up for today? And I said, hmm, let me check my calendar. And uh, yes, we are up for today. 
And I went out to your site. I was looking at some of the podcasts you do. So let's tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what made you decide to start podcasting? Um, okay, so I'm Preston Tyree. I also go by Ty, Tyree, T-Y. And uh, I've had a very eclectic career. I'm 77 years old, trained as an engineer, worked internationally, worked in 26 countries and six continents. Uh, gave that up and went into the bicycle uh, world and became an instructor in 1996 uh, and just stayed doing that and working in primarily in nonprofits uh, until I, I resigned my last job September 1. So wow. it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, that was a contract work that I was doing for the League of American Bicyclists training bicycle safety instructors around the country. And uh, it's time for the younger people to take over, Karen. Uh, I've trained, I've trained a lot of them, and so let them go. You know, that's uh, that's it. So before the just before the pandemic, I got thinking. I'm getting older, and you know, what are the things that I need to know to make that period better? And so uh, I've been a, always been active in the city and. Uh, not politics. I've tried to stay <laughs> way away from politics. That sounds good. Uh, but legislature and and those kind of things. And uh, I said, "What what can I do?" And I've, I'm fairly tech savvy, and I love recorders and catching people's voices and everything. I said, "Well, you know, this podcast thing. Let's give it a shot." So we got started literally just before the pandemic and wow. uh, February of uh, last year, and it. Uh, it was a, a ride because we took a, a hiatus. We had to, we sold a house and moved and sold an, and bought a house and all those kind of things. So we, we spent six months in Airbnbs around the country. And so that made it a little bit harder to podcast. Actually, we did some of them from out there and sure. uh, sitting on the porch, looking over the, the valley in Santa Fe. And uh once we got back and got settled in our new house, we started doing regularly and it's a really beginning to take off and show it's we're, we're having a great time. It's called growing older and there's a parentheses around the ER. So it's really growing old -er. Okay. And it's, it's aimed at a population who says, okay, I've got X number of years. I uh, may be retired, maybe not. What makes that better and more fulfilling and let me hear what other people have done. I love it. Um, you know, you and I, when we had a very short conversation yesterday, I shared with you uh, another podcast we've been doing called The Rant, and it's about age. And um, when we first started it, the concept was, well, we're going to be talking about those later years. And as we started doing that, I said, you know, are we ever the right age? There are times you're just way too young to do something or people assume you're too old to do something. And it's like, it's not a fair world because <laughs> you know what? You may not be too young. You may have that ability to do it. And you may be 
you know, a hundred years old and still have the ability to go out bike riding and do everything you did when you were 50. So why not? And so I think bringing the voices together like you are um, is going to be very helpful for, for all of us because retirement comes at a different time for everybody. So you mentioned that you're officially retired now, but you really aren't because you're doing podcasting. You still are riding, I'm, I'm assuming. Every day. Uh, okay. So you, when I think of retirement, at least in um, the context that I grew up, retirement really meant that, you know, you basically were going to sit on the front porch um, and count the grasshoppers, <laughs> but you weren't going to get on a bike and ride a bike because that was work. And you were going to let everybody else do the housework and the cooking and whatever. But today for many of us, that's not even possible. Yeah, and that's part of it. And if you look at the demographics and you look at the financial aspects of people who are retiring now and by the way the baby boomers are starting to turn 75 this year hello yeah uh and the 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 steps and we just yesterday we did a podcast with a gentleman who wrote a book called tapas life and he's 68 and he's saying when you retire don't just sit you know here's some guidelines here's some things really neat book uh i recommend it highly it's on kindle um and he he's got the whole thing is very eclectic do what you have to do don't don't get so tied in on one thing that when you can't do that any longer it's a lot you've lost exactly. and so and part of this whole thing karen is socialization you know here i am I've, I've got a new friend in cleveland i'm not sure i have any friends in cleveland right now you know so um zoom has changed the world oh it and it's it's been a curse and a blessing. Okay. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and as I mentioned to you yesterday, um, you know, I started meeting all these people through Podmatch, and I've gotten so excited that I've been filling my days with one podcast after another because it's, it's getting me out of, you know, a little um, niche I've been in for the last couple months. And it was like, well, if I can meet somebody in Texas and I can meet somebody in Alabama and then I can meet somebody in Canada and interestingly enough, different ages, different backgrounds, we're all the same. Mm -hmm. You know, if we can truly get that message out, what a beautiful world we'd be living in. So I love the picture behind you of, of the bike riders and, um, I have to assume that um, I'm 71. You said you're 77, correct? That's so correct. So we both grew up in about the same era. When you learned to bike ride and I learned to bike ride, um, I don't remember there were any rules back then. You just had to learn how to balance and mom and dad took the, uh, you know, the safety wheels off and off you went. So what made the changes in learning how to ride a bike safely compared to just riding a bike? Well, that's interesting you talk about training wheels because that's one of the things that I think is the worst invention of all times. <laughs> uh, it, it does 
it does all the wrong things. It lets you buy a bike that's too big for the child. Um, and it teaches a child to lean the wrong way. So once you take the wheels off, they fall down, then they don't use the bike. And it's uh, so training wheels are something that I'm sorry ever got invented. Uh, when I learned to ride, uh, you know, sometime before you, and this was at the end of World War II, just to get this in context. Okay. Um, had a bike on the street. And at the end of the street, the cross street to the right went up very steep hill to the left, went down a very steep hill into a gully, right? So this was how do you turn when you get there kind of thing. Um, but it was my dad, you know, behind me, helping me out as I went, but get on the bike and go. And the one thing that he didn't do that uh, we recommend highly now is get a bike that's the right size, get a bike that's light enough and take the pedals off. Because just what you said earlier, we learn to balance. If you can get balance, you can ride forever. Okay. And so if we take the pedals off, put you on a bike and let you just scoot it around. I, we've seen people in 20 minutes, they got balance because your body has been balancing. As long as you're walking, you're balancing. Every step you take, you're balancing. So that's the secret really to get somebody on a bike at any age, Karen. And we teach people into their 60s who said, you know, I've never been on a bike in my life. Can I learn it? I said, of course you can. You know, kids can learn it. You can learn right. it. You've been balancing forever. And so we, we put people on a bike with no pedals. And the, the idea of the, the weight, you know, if you took a regular bike and put a kid on it, that's like you getting on a 200-pound bike. That's not going to work well. <laughs> uh, so we look for bikes, and they, they make lots of them out there, and they're sure. called balanced bikes, which makes sense. And we look for bikes that are lightweight. So we get a 40-pound kid on a six-pound bike. That begins to make some sense. But a 40-pound kid on a 30-pound bike, and yeah, it, it yeah. doesn't really make sense. So that's kind of the secret. And as we go up in age, it's the same thing. Sit, Put the seat down so the feet are on the ground or touching the ground. Take the pedals off and let people just ride around a parking lot. And it is amazing how fast it works because they, and it's so beautiful to see their face when they get it and they look up at you and like, oh, wow, exactly. I've got a video riding next to a gentleman, 35 years old, and he's first time in his life he's ever ridden. And he turns to me and says, why did I wait so freaking long? <laughs> <laughs> and it, this look on his face is like, the, the world is mine. You know, I'm free. I'm, and that's what people say. What does a bike mean to you? And Karen, the most common response is freedom. And it's, you know, it outweighs everything. Every now and then somebody will say, oh, blood and scars, but almost always it's freedom. And so that's what we're selling. You know, we're selling a dream, the dream of you can go where you want to go, when you want to go. You don't have to depend on your parents or you don't have to depend on somebody to drive you. I've got an autistic grandson who may or may not get his driver's license someday but he's free he's he got a bicycle he, yeah he, he can go where he wants to go and it's uh that's such a joy absolutely that, you know to to watch that happen and so, we just did a program i'm i worked with the league of american bicycles for many years 
and that's the national organization, not only for advocacy, but also education. And we just, with the help of AARP, just put out a program for cycling tips, safe tips for uh, older adults. And so, yeah, you know, I don't care how old you are. Let's get on a bike. Absolutely. And if, you, if you're concerned about your balance, you're concerned about your strength, that kind of stuff, let's put you on a on an e-bike possibly, but if you're concerned about balance, we might put you on a trike and an e-trike and, uh, you know, get a little help. No, we don't want it to drive you because that's a different thing. Right. We wanted to give you a little help and we, uh, they're out there and they're really, they're very nice. Some of them can be pricey, but uh, they're out there. Well, it's interesting because like I started out saying when I was little, you know, we didn't wear, helmets we didn't wear knee pads or anything like that um but oh probably it's probably almost 20 years ago um we were getting my son a bike he wasn't sure he wanted one um most of his friends at that time weren't riding bikes and he was about 10 years old and i wanted a bike and i said i'm gonna get you a bike <laughs> Then I'm going to get a bike and mom, mom and you, we, we can go riding around. Um, and he, he really didn't get into it. And so that was my downfall because I kept waiting for him. Mm -hmm. um, and I started feeling very conspicuous at the time wearing my bright yellow helmet, which I probably shouldn't have gotten a bright yellow one, but I did. Um, and I had this bright yellow bike. So when I went riding, in my mind, I was this older adult trying to look like a kid. And so after about a year or two, I gave it up. Um, you know, I'm, I'm considering it again because we live right next to the national park with wonderful bike trails. Um, and even in our condo subdivision, everybody is very careful with the bikers. And it's like, I never thought of it as freedom until you said that. And then it's like, you're right. If I get on the bike, my family is here. I'm on my way. And we, it's fun. We tell parents, you know, have us work with their children. And we say, okay, be careful. And I said, what do you mean? I said, at some point, they're going to ride down the sidewalk to the end of the street and turn right and be out of your sight and gone. And they're on their own and they're going to enjoy it. They're going to love it. It's going to scare you to death. I'm and sure. so it's, you know, be prepared for that and work with them and make sure they understand. And, you know, you said there's no rules. Well, yeah, there are. Um, all 50 states say in their transportation code, a person operating a bike or words of this sort, a person operating a bike have all the rights and duties of the person operating a vehicle. Interesting. Okay. So a bike effectively is an automobile or is a car. Uh, does it operate well like one? Heck no. But it should, the cyclist, the operator of a cycle, bicycle should follow all the same rules. Stop at stoplights, signal turns, all those, all those kind of things doesn't apply to kids on bikes on sidewalks but it certainly does apply once you get out in the street out in the street yeah and how can we make 
drivers of cars <laughs> and trucks uh, work with the bikers. I mean, again, where I live, it's really not rural. It is uh, suburban, but because of the national park, a lot of people will ride their bikes to the park and then ride through the park and especially on the weekends. Oh, sure. And I hear people complaining all the time, those bikers. And it's like, you know, it may be for a small stretch that you have to be a little more cautious. I mean, it's not miles and miles that, you know, that you're sharing the road. When you're sharing the road with a biker, a walker, why can't we all be polite? Karen. Ah, Pollyanna. <laughs> You're right. I know. <laughs> but yeah, and that's, we're all people. Uh, my wife and I have a small nonprofit. It's called Wow Inc. W-A-A-O. You say, what is that? We are all one. Love and that. So this is part of the reason we're doing the podcast is to exactly like you're saying, I don't care whether you're driving a truck, riding a bicycle, walking, or in a wheelchair, in a motorized wheelchair, with a walker, we're all one and we have to take care of each other. There's a, a very old expression, and you may have heard it, you're in the right age group, called noblesse oblige. It's a yes. French expression, and it means the nobility has an obligation. And the way I read that is that those of us who can, for whatever reason, we lived a privileged life, you know, whatever it is, those of us who can have a responsibility to help those who can't. So wow. noblesse oblige. And uh, if we work, operate that way, but once we get in the car and you ought to, there's a 19, I think it's 1936, Vid, uh, cartoon with Goofy. Remember Goofy? Mickey oh, I and Goofy? certainly do. Yeah. And they put him behind the wheel of a car and he goes insane and he's crazy and he's right, all this kind of stuff. And, you know, cyclists today, you look at that cartoon, you say, yep, that's pretty much what it is. Somebody yep. gets behind the wheel. And <clears throat> part of it, Karen, I think is this we're blocked off. We're in a cage, we're sealed in. And it becomes a, a different world. We're now we're not connected to the world. We're we're isolated. And you can, you know, just like you said, these damn bikers. Well, what are they holding you up? Two minutes, three minutes? What's that? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. You're gonna live 70 years. You know what two minutes is in 70 years? Yeah. And if you take that attitude, at some point you're gonna risk their life. Not yours, but you're gonna risk their life. There was an incident two days ago where a young man, 16 years old, saw a bunch of cyclists riding on the road, a group of cyclists, and he decided to come up beside him in his pickup truck and roll coal. And I don't know if you know that term, but no. it, it's set up so it blows black smoke out on them. And he misjudged and he ran into them and he injured four to six of them. And, you know, they got him, they stopped him and everything else. But it was just one of those moments where I'm going to do something for me without any regard for those other people's lives, livelihood, whatever. And yeah, it's uh, and can change lives. And we've got the our podcast, we're starting a special session on grief. And one of the people who's going to talk about grief is a lady who lost her dream. She's this 
you know, up and coming at triathlete out riding her bike and gets hit by a truck. Two years later, she's getting back to the point where she can get on her bike, but guess what? She is not going to go out and ride by herself on the road. So, uh, she's lost a dream. And that's the, the discussion we're going to have about, you know, grief comes from a lot of places, but losing a dream. Yeah, and, that's a big one. And when we can make good choices, we have to be aware of those good choices. Mm -hmm. um, you know, accidents can happen. You know, <laughs> somebody can hit a pothole or, you know, swerve or not not be aware because of something that happens, but when an accident is created, yeah, it really is not an accident, uh, even though we sometimes label it that way. Um, so the other morning when I was driving to work on Sunday on the weekends, um, I'm an IT professional. I sort of switch hats. And like I said, I'm driving down this road and um, there was going to be a bike-a-thon actually in, almost in my backyard. So I was passing the bikers and the guy behind me, he's just like, he's on his horn and he's trying to go around me. And I'm trying to stay close to the center so he can't go around me. And um, finally we passed the bikers, we got to a stoplight and this guy just squirted around me and then stopped. And I thought, look at, you were in such a hurry. Okay. You got in front of me. Now you're stopping. And he started to get out of his car. And I thought, you know, I'm not going to confront with him. So I just laid on the horn so that everybody behind me was doing the same thing. And he got back in his car. I don't understand that kind of mentality in this world. Um, because I love what you said about that a biker on the road has all the same rights as I do in my car and in my truck. And that means they can't hog the road and they can't swerve back and forth. They have to maintain all the rules as well. Mm -hmm. So what are you seeing as far as seniors? And I hate using the word seniors because I yeah. don't feel like a senior, but what are you seeing in the age group of 50 on up you know, getting back on our bikes. Uh, that's part of this discussion that we just had with AARP and put out a whole program with the League of American Bicyclists about older uh, adults. The, it is, part of it is community. People want to enjoy, be out in, together sure. in, in groups. And um, it's part of it is, I'm going to stay active. If I sit, I die. And so I'm going to stay active one way or another. And a lot of things are happening right now, besides the pandemic and Zoom and everything right. else. Uh, part of it is this discussion about e-bikes. The price of e-bikes is coming down very, very quickly. And so here's a person, let's call them 80 years old. They had gotten to the point where they were sitting a lot. We get them back up on their feet and get them moving around, getting them flexible. And they said, yeah, but I live in an area with hills. That's <laughs> not a problem. Uh, we can go to an e-bike and the price is getting down to where they are reasonable. Uh, we will 
get an e-bike that is e-assist. So it only assists you. You can't just drive it by a throttle like a motorcycle. Okay. And you have to turn those pedals. It's not going anywhere till you turn the pedals. Now, when it sees you pressing hard on the pedals, it's going to give you some help. And that's what a lot of them are doing. They're sensing the, the torque on the pedal and adding in power when, you, when that torque starts to go up. Got it. Okay. So what it really does for you, now people say, well, I don't want to go 27 miles an hour. No, you don't. But what you do want to do is when you're starting up at a stoplight, is not creep through the intersection. You want to get through the intersection briskly. And that's exactly what an e-bike does. It's acceleration, not speed. If you think of it that way, is it's going to help me get up to speed, whatever my speed is. And then it will help me maintain. But the idea is I can get going easily. I don't have that big start at the beginning. Got it. And it's uh, so that's where the e-bike is becoming so popular. And it's it's amazing the numbers are being sold in other places, China and Europe and everything. Um, the European model is so much different than the U.S. Uh, if you're a child growing up in Europe, in most places in Europe, you will start bicycle safety training before you go to school. You will have classes in school. You will have a test every so often uh, before they let you out on the street. So what you end up with is a society where every driver had bicycle safety training. Wonderful. Got it. That, okay. that changes the outlook completely. Sure. The crash rate. And by the way, you said accident. I just cringe. My right. teeth hurt. Um, we try to avoid that word because we can find cause for almost every single one of those crashes. So we tend to say crash, but the crash rate in Europe is one tenth of that here in the U.S. And you say, no, that's not just roads and bike lanes and that kind of stuff. No, it's not. It's because every driver had bicycle safety training as a child. And it's not easy to get a license. You have to really work to get a license. And the, the burden of proof is on you. If there's a crash, you, the, the motorist is assumed to be at fault until proven otherwise. Okay. okay. So you start with that kind of a culture and you look at them and you say, oh, well, they're not wearing helmets. <laughs> <clears throat> they probably don't have to. They're not doing anything risky. They're riding a bike in town, going to work, going to school, going to whatever. It's not risky. Now, I, Karen, I used to be a helmet Nazi. You know, you're not going to straddle that bike without a helmet. <laughs> and then I spent some time riding in Amsterdam. And I thought, I'm the only one here with a helmet. What, you know, what is this? And so we were just talking to people. And the biggest thing is they get in such big bunches that they bump into each other on the street I and that's okay. you know and but they're riding upright they're sitting on their bike uh looking ahead they're not down crouch racing uh doing all those kind of things is a helmet necessary ah, you know a helmet does protect you it's amazing what it can do if you if you go down if you don't go down and a helmet wearing a helmet keeps you from riding then it turns out and the statistics are fairly clear out of particularly out of Europe that the benefit of riding far outweighs the risk you take for riding in those conditions without a helmet. So if the helmet is keeping you from riding, it's actually hurting your long-term health. Interesting. Okay. Now, 
that doesn't apply in the U.S. that much because we have a different culture and everything else. And so as a League of American Bicyclist Instructor, one, I'm a role model. So I wear a helmet anytime I straddle my two-wheeler. I don't wear a helmet on my three-wheeler. Um, but, and all of my students will wear helmets. I'd say, you know, first thing you do, go get a helmet, find one you like and will wear. Don't get a bright yellow one, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> um, and all the helmets on the market, protect you the same you can pay forty dollars you can pay two hundred and fifty dollars same protection okay so get a helmet because when you're learning to ride getting back into it you may fall down and you may hit your head and you can't afford that if you're older absolutely you know so talk to me a little bit about the recumbent bike. I see a lot of people riding those here. Yeah. Are they I'd, easier to ride? Harder to uh, ride? They're they're different. You will learn there's a different set of uh, operating instructions. Okay. Uh, a two-wheel recumbent. I rode one of those for years and I've ridden from Houston to Austin wow. on that twice. It's 180 miles, two days. Um, the the big thing about recumbent, why people go to recumbents, even though their friends laugh at them, uh, is they're more efficient. They're down out of the wind, basically, and you're more streamlined with your feet out in front of you. And I had a two-wheel, what's called a long wheelbase recumbent, so it's very low. My, my butt was 11 inches off the ground. And when I got on it, it added about two and a half miles an hour to my average speed. So that's that's it. Totally different handling. It had the handlebars up in front and uh, that wheel way out there, and it just it handled differently. All the techniques I had learned on my regular bike didn't work well. Sure. I had to learn a new set of techniques. Uh, but wow, what a joy to ride! You're you're laid back. Uh, you know you don't have that funny little small seat, uh, and it's just cruising. And you talk to people, and you get lots of information you know, lots of people talking to you. I have gone to a recumbent tricycle. So now I'm riding two wheels in front, one in the back. And again, laid back, feet up. I can stop and talk to people. Don't, you know, okay. Yeah. I can ride no hands and it just tracks perfectly straight. I can, you know, fix my helmet. I can, you know, put on my, you know, drink coffee. Yeah. And it's, um, they because of the different structure they don't make that many of them they're pricey uh i think mine fully loaded and it's got a special transmission on it so i don't have any gears and it's uh it was right around three thousand dollars so uh but it's it's a joy and maybe the last bicycle i ever buy well and again you know i have um a stationary recumbent bike because of a knee issue okay. and i and i was told you know, if you do decide to get a bike and go bike, that a recumbent bike will be better for my knee. Um, and I've, you know, I have a friend who has a regular bike and I've tried it and I do find there is, there's more of a stretch in the knee than is comfortable. And so I'm assuming that if you meet with somebody like yourself, you can help that individual know what kind of bike they need. You know, there, I know there are different seats. Um, 
and get something that fits you rather than just going to, um, you know, Target and saying, oh, that looks like a really nice bike. And it might be, but if it doesn't fit you, um, you've just wasted your money. When I was with the League of American Bicyclists, we did a lot of work with Walmart. Uh, Walmart was uh, doing stuff with us one year for Bike to Work Day. They put up displays in over 3,000 stores about cycling. And so they did some, did some really good work with us. Uh, but one of the points that I made to them is if you sell a poorly made bike and a kid gets on that and it's their first experience and the bike fails and you can't repair it because the parts are so cheap, they're going to get turned off cycling forever and they will never come back and buy another bike from you. Uh, so why don't you make them a little bit better, just a little bit so that they can be repaired so they can that kind of stuff. And it's not going to not going to raise your price in the marketplace that much. And so we had had long discussions about that. And so that's part of the discussion is how do you get a good a bike that will last you and it can be repaired easily? Interesting. Uh, you, you talked about, you know, how do I get it fit? Fit is critical when you're talking about your you got on the bike and it was a little stretch for your knee. Hup, 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 wait, let's talk about fit Time out. Right. Uh, we're going to get the seat has got three different movements. Okay. The seat can go up and down. Almost all seats let you go front and back and almost all seats let you tilt. So you've got three different things to get your body where it needs to be. So there's nothing on that knee. And by using the gears, I'm going to put you in a low enough gear that you don't feel it on that knee. You feel like you're floating. Now, you're not going to go really fast. Sure. But it is, you know, what do you want? You want to protect your knee or you want to go fast? You know, we'll protect your knee. And that's part of what a, and I'm going to give a, a little bit of plug. Sure. For the League of American Bicyclists, we have three something in the order of 3,000 instructors around the country. They're called League Cycling Instructors or LCIs. If you go to bikeleague.org, bikeleague.org, you can put in your zip code and it'll tell you who's in your area. Interesting. So this instructor, and they've okay. all been trained on this discussion about fit and all the rest of that. That's probably the best way to, because they can also talk to you about how to ride safely, when to ride, what the rules are and that kind of stuff. But a good bike shop will have somebody in there who knows how to fit a bike. And they may have some, they may have paid for some of the high-end bike fitting equipment. And if the, if anything hurts on you after a 10 or 20 mile ride, the bike doesn't fit you. It's not fitted to you properly. Right. And so, cause a bike should be, you should be able to go out and ride 10 or 20 miles and not have anything hurt. You say, Oh, what my butt I'm, Sorry, the bike didn't fit you right, or you'd be sitting on that seat properly. You know, is it too long? Is it, you know, are the handlebars too wide? Right. It's just all kind of changes that we can make to get it. So you get on the bike and say, oh, joy, uh, well, this is it, so much fun. Yeah. And it's interesting because like the bike we did purchase like 20 years ago, we did go to a reputable bike shop. Um, in fact, I came in and I, you know, they fitted me for one and 
they said, well, we want you to go home and think about it because I was being very skeptical. It was like, I'm going to spend how much for this? And the guys kept saying to me, I'll even go out with you a couple of times when you ride the bike. It was like, why would you do that? Um, so I really learned back then. I just didn't use it to my advantage. Um, the bike that I tried recently was my friend's. And so it wasn't really for me. Um, but it was just like, if this is what you want to do, you know, get on, see how you feel. Um, and that's when it was like, you know, I think this is something that I really want to get back into. Um, but it means going back to a reputable bike shop, being able to dig into my pocket and say, yes, it's worth it. Um, and uh, then enjoy the ride. But sadly in Cleveland, uh, that time is sort of coming to an end this season. So, uh, you know, it's maybe something that I have to start planning for, for the spring. So if you had one major comment to make to our listeners about bike safety, what would it be? Be aware. We Someday I'll get into the whole ACE concept. ACE is ability, conditions, and equipment. And that's what I like to talk to people about, you know, that whole whole thing. But that's a long discussion. That's not one major thing. But it's it's be aware. Be aware of what's going on around you. That pothole you're talking about out there. Uh, I should see that, you know, a pothole. I should see that a quarter of a mile away uh, and not have to think about it when I get close to it. I've already moved over to get around it or past it. And so I'm paying attention ahead. I'm paying attention to the certainly the automobiles around me, the other, other riders, but it's just the <clears throat> don't zone. It's so easy on a bike when you get into it, that you just zone and please don't do that. Uh, you know, just stay aware, be, and be alert for what's going on around you and enjoy what's around you. Uh, when you're out there and it's, this is, you know, we've got trees and yes, I'm a tree hugger. Uh, we've got trees and nature and butterflies and, you know, it's just, it's all it is is a, a bicycle is a tool to get you out into the world and let you be free and do those things probably in Ohio. And I'm not, don't know the numbers, but I'll be willing to bet you that 33, 34% of your population does not have a driver's license. It could be. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. And that's kids and it's older people and it's people who don't want a driver's license. It's people whose license has been taken away. Lots of different reasons, sure. but it's a big number, but those people still have to get somewhere. And so the question is, how do we do it? And that's, that's where the bicycle and the e-bikes and the trikes and everything comes in is that we can change the transportation system significantly. Um, and when you get in your car, how many miles do you go? You know, typically people, it's most of the trips or 50% of the trips will be in the two mile range on a bike. It's easy. It's almost easier on a bike to go two miles than it is to get in your car and do the whole bit. And it's certainly better on the environment. That first, first 20 minutes of con operation on a car is the right. worst from an environment, from a pollution standpoint. So Yes, I'm sold on bikes. I believe in bikes. And, you know, my life, I put more miles on my trike than I do on my car. 
and I can do that. I'm retired and I can make my choices as to, you know, where my doctor is, where my dentist is. And I'm, I'm pulling them all back in so that right. I can go to all those people by bike. And uh, so I've got about a, a comfortable four mile range that I'm trying to get everything within that four mile range. And just, okay, I'm not isolated because I'm in a neighborhood and I know everybody. I wave to people. That's the other thing on a bike. You're not locked in your car. You see people, you talk to people, you stop and talk. And it's, um, you know, for an old guy, I get pretty far out there sometimes. I, I think it's absolutely wonderful. I mean, um, again, age is a number. And the more we take care of ourselves in whatever form that is, um, the younger we can feel, the more we can enjoy. And for those of you who are listening to today's podcast and say, you know what, biking's not for me, that's okay. But let's be safe on the roads. Those yeah. who want to bike, you know, give them their fair share of the road. Um, they're not going to hold you up that much. Um, in fact, the more you try to hassle the bikers, the longer it's going to take to go the few feet that you want to get yeah. around them. So um, thank you, Tyree, for being with us today. We'll have to have you on again. Um, I'm going to go start searching bicycles. Uh, be prepared for the spring and then tell my husband, guess what I'm doing Good now. So. Well, let's keep in touch, Karen. You've got my email now. And Absolutely. as you talk about bikes and you look at bikes and everything else, if you have any questions, I'm here. I appreciate it. Have All a right. great day. Stay safe. Bye-bye now. Thanks, Karen. Bye-bye.